All right, so as promised, we do have a guest speaker, and I could be a smart aleck and say all kinds of stuff about him too, but uh, but he is a good friend, and uh, you know we, we talk a lot and, and share stuff back and forth uh, frequently. He sends me these weird cartoons and and uh, but uh, it's a good church, and we, we have good connections, even though it's a Baptist church, uh, we, we don't hold that against them. Uh, even though this is a Baptist building, you know, we, we bought a Baptist church, you know, but he doesn't hold that against us either. Um, but um, Bill's going to come and share with us today, and, and uh, let's all give a warm welcome to Bill. Okay, before I start, I've got to read this thing that Rich gave me. I wish you had printed this out because I can't read your handwriting. <laughs> Uh, it's a true pleasure and honor to be here and to have this opportunity to be with you today to share God's Word because it's really the only thing that matters. I especially want you to thank Pastor Rich for trusting me with his pulpit. You know, it's like as a, as a pastor, you worry about sometimes. It's like who you're going to allow up front. Um, I also want to bring a greeting from my friend and co-pastor, Pastor Dan. And I heard that Val's over listening to Pastor Dan today, as well as the church body at Maple Root. As they mentioned, next Saturday is our uh, second annual Fall Fest, which uh, Justin has been uh, amazing helping us through the first year and some this year in bringing back his puppets. And I just want to thank uh, Justin and his team for blessing us with their puppet ministry. Today I'll be sharing from various scriptures. Uh, sometimes people might think that I use a fire hose instead of just a little sprinkler. So you're going to have a lot of scripture today. But as I t told you, tell the people in Maple Root, if you can just find one thing, just one thing out of all the things I say that challenges you and that you can apply to your daily life, then our time has been worthwhile. Because you're not going to remember everything. In fact, sometimes... The next day I go, what was that title I used? But, <laughs> but my title today is uh, The Most Important Things. Author and motivational speaker Jim Quick has a saying which I really like. The most important thing is to keep the most important thing the most important thing. In your life, there are many things that you think are important. I heard you have three ladies in this church running for political office. Very good. I was on a school committee myself back in the day, and uh, the, probably the best compliment I ever got was when one of the attorneys for the school committee met me at J.C. Penney with his wife, and he introduced me as the conscience of Coventry. And so, um, but we think there's a lot of important things in our lives, right? But when you think about it, most of them are very temporal, you know? Who am I going to marry? What school am I going to go to? What makeup school am I going to go to? Um, where am I going to live? Where am I going to work? All those things are going to come to an end. No matter if you live to be 100 or 150, they're all coming to an end. But there's one thing that everybody who has inhabited this earth has to face before their time here is through. I'm sure you know what that is. What are you going to do with Jesus? 
The world is represented by those seen in John 6, where many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. And those who are represented by Peter who said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and have come to know that you are the Holy One from God. If you are like Peter and you have chosen wisely concerning the most important thing to come to terms with while you're here on earth. But then that leads to the logical second most important thing. As Francis Schaeffer said in one of his books, which was titled, How Should We Then Live? Well, the Bible provides a blueprint for my life and for yours. And you could start with what God said in Leviticus 27. Sanctify yourself, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God. Or as Peter wrote in 2 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's look at those two important things and see how they can change our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to look at your word. I pray that you will impress upon us today what the most important things are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So the first most important thing is, what are you going to do with Jesus? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged, but he who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Well, right there, there's two choices, isn't there? Those who believe, those who don't believe. And God loved us so much that he gave the whole world the opportunity to not perish, but have eternal life. And sometimes you might think, well, why would people not choose that? But they don't, do they? They reject it. Some of them violently reject it. John 3, verses 3 and 7. Jesus answered and said to him, Nicodemus, Truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then Jesus said, And do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. In Luke 13, 13, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Again, stark contrast there. Those who choose Christ and those who reject Christ. In Acts 2, verses 37 to 42, kind of sums up the two important choices. Now when they heard this, the crowd at Pentecost, they were pierced to the heart because of the gospel message, and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent. Which means leaving what God has pro prohibited and returning to what he has commanded. 
Or I like the, another version of that is say the same thing as. When we repent, we say the same thing as God says about life and things. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Because we know, as Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were added 3,000 souls to the church. In Acts, Paul and Silas had been brutally beaten, and uh, they were put in prison, and then the jails opened up, and the Philippian jailer was going to kill himself, and Peter said, don't, I mean, Paul said, don't do it, we're still all here. And later he said to Paul, I mean, the, the, the Philippian jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Romans 10, 9, and if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And this was all prepared beforehand when Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them to me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. And in Philippians 1.6, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Not only can we have salvation, but we can be sure that we will never lose that salvation. That choice that we make is eternal. And no one, it says there, no one can pluck them out of Christ's hand. No one can pluck them out of, out of God's hand. So that's a very important thing. But those who aren't in his hand are headed to a godless eternity. It's a very important thing, you know. Um, most of you know about my wife, but you know what? Ever since my wife went, it's just been more and more impressed upon me how important that decision is. So if that decision is so important, and if we make that decision, how should we then live? And not because of us, but because of Jesus. It was that casting crown song. Not because of me, but because of him. And then we get back to Acts chapter 2. How then shall we live? And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Pretty simple, isn't it? That was how it started. 3,000 people just got saved. And what did they do? They devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, and the breaking of bread in prayer. So simple, but sometimes so hard. Because 
we think there's other important things in our life, don't we? And there are some things. Things happen that are really important, really serious. But then again, they have temporal consequences. In Philippians chapter 3, Paul kind of puts it out there for us about things in the world. Whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted but loss. For the sake of Christ, more than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Savior, the most important thing, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. Paul had the world in his hand as a young man. He could have gone real places with the world and with the pharmaceutical group, but he, he gave that all away. Pharisees were not being beaten. Pharisees were not being stoned. Pharisees were not being left for dead. And count them but rubbish so that I can gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. I always love that verse 10, that I may know him. And what are you going to know? You're going to know about the power of his resurrection, but you're also going to have the fellowship of his suffering. You know, across the world, Christians are really suffering. You know, I get that voice of the Modders magazine, and you see what those people go through. And you see what happens when some of them go through it, and they don't leave the town they're in. Even if their husband was just killed, the ladies stay and continue the ministry that their husband had. When it's a lot safer just to run away, go find someplace else, keep your mouth shut, and just live. You know, they lose everything. Some of these countries right now, where there's lot severe drought and severe uh, shortage of food. You know, we go to the store and the food costs more. They go to the store and there is no more. And Christians are the last ones to be able to get the food. And then in Philippians, continue on in chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained it or have already become perfect. And that's what we got to remember we're never going to attain while we're here on earth. But we need to be like Paul. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that, which was also, I was laid hold by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself of having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God reveals that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. There's some important things there. There's the one thing 
that we need to have this attitude, the attitude of Christ. And then the second thing is, we need to live by the standard that we already have. When you reach a level in your Christian life, you don't want to go backward. If you're not going forward, you're going backward. There is no neutral in the Christian life. It's a hill. We don't have brakes. We're either going forward or we're rolling backward. So we need to keep living by the standard to which we've already attained. Which is easier, pressing on or rolling back? I think we know it's rolling back. And we think, sometimes we fool ourselves, and we think that we're still maintaining where we were because we're, we, get, we, we get absorbed by our own self and we think, well, I'm already here. No, you're not here anymore. And then he says, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern. If you want to check yourself, look at other people that you believe are walking the right path. Are you living like them? You know, the, the disciples had Jesus Christ as their example. He left for us to the disciples. He left for us the disciples, and then the disciples, the disciples, disciples, all the way down to where we are today, to your pastor and to other leaders in your church. There's people there that you can follow after. But we have to be careful, too, because sometimes those leaders slip, and that's where you come in, too, because you need to look at the scriptures daily and make sure that everything they say is true. In Colossians, it says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. If we are going to take the step of the next important thing, we need to know what his will is. So many people, they go, Well, I don't know what God's will is for me. Really? No, they don't know. So therefore, they don't have to live it if you don't know it, right? Have they ever opened their Bible? It's all right there. It's all right there. You know, some places it actually says, and this is the will of God concerning you. It's like, how could it be any more or less plain, right? So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in your every good work and increased in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving th thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Look at all the things that it says in that passage. You know, every one of these passages that I'm sharing, the sermon in themselves, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. You know, is that how we walk? Would we want him walking with us on our path in life? You know, life is a journey. So if it's a journey, then you're walking. You know, if you want to do a study sometime, I did it once, 
I took the, the book of Psalms and I went through and I marked, highlighted it. Every time it said walk or something that means going forward, it's like full of it there. You want to please him in all respects. And not only that, you're supposed to be bearing fruit. That's what he left us here for, is to bear fruit. When you do your festival, you're trying to bear fruit. We do our festival, we're trying to bear fruit. We have our morning services, we're trying to bear fruit. When we talk to our neighbors, we're trying to bear fruit. And we're supposed to be increasing our knowledge about God. Now, why would we want to increase our knowledge about God? Well, look what it says there in verse 13. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. He transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Do we realize where we came from? Because if you realize where you came from, you're going to be more appreciative of where you're going. You know, some people, at our men's breakfast, we've been doing testimonies. We had Brother Jim. We had Pastor Rich. We had Justin um, all come and share their testimonies. And you know what? And we've had a lot of other pastors and other leaders from other churches. And you know what? Nobody has told us yet that it was better before they got saved. Nobody yet. They all told us it was better after. Weird. I don't know. Maybe it's just the people I'm picking. You know, if you get some suggestions for me, I can get, bring some other, somebody else in. But you know what? They all are telling us no matter what was in the past, everything is better now than it was then. It's crazy, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? Because they know they've been rescued from the, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Now, does that mean everything goes perfect for us? No, it doesn't. I wish it did. I wish it did. You know, I, I've told the people at my church this. I said, you know what? They say that you go through things and then you can help other people. Some of the things that I've gone through in my life, I wish I didn't. You know, it's not that I don't like other people, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. When I lost my wife, it was not the best day of my life. But you know what? God has used me because of that. And so that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to use it, you know. I told my people, I said, don't feel sorry for me. Because I don't. 2 Timothy 2, 21 to 22 Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now the useful lust, now flee the useful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So that as when we make that second most important decision in our life to become like him, we need to pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. And you're doing that not all by yourself, <clears throat> but you're doing that with everybody else that has a pure heart. And that's why it's so important, as Hebrew says, to not forsake the assembling together. That's why you need to come to church. You know what? You say, ah, I don't feel like going today. But you know what? You being there might just encourage somebody else. Just seeing you. Just your smiling face. Amen. You know? 
just seeing somebody up here strumming a guitar so hard that he's sweating. He's sweating. I saw the sweat. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5, 15. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Be careful how you walk. You know, mom has a cane, and she was being careful getting off this step here. I got bad knees. I'm going to be careful, too. I'll probably get on sideways like I always do. But you got to be careful how you walk because we can be easily tripped. There's false doctrine out there, false teachers out there. The world is full of false knowledge. And how are we supposed to walk? Not as unwise, but as wise. But remember, not wise as the world considers wise, but as God considers wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. We all have a certain amount of days. In fact, in Jeremiah, it tells us that our days are numbered before we're even born. And you don't know when it, your number's up. I just lost a 44-year-old nephew by, by marriage. And they just found him dead in a hotel room. 44 years old. You don't know. You, you don't know if you have another chance, one, to make the most important decision, and two, to live the life that you're supposed to live. How are you going to be found when he comes back? Or when your number's up, now you don't have no chance to make any decisions or change things. You know, I have a sermon that I've done before, and I thought about using it here as like a legacy. What kind of legacy are you leaving? So then, do not be foolish, <clears throat> but understand what the will of God is. The will of God is for you to be holy. And then everything else kind of you can put right underneath that. Because if it doesn't fall into the category of being holy, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit. I love this verse. I have it in my wallet. It's like the third wallet I've had it in. I tape it in. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. You know, people don't leave the faith in some abrupt, crazy thing, usually. It's a drifting. I'm sure if your church is like mine, there was people that used to be here, and then they were here every Sunday. They were here every men's breakfast, everything. And then missed a couple. Yeah, you know, they're busy. They missed a couple more. Then, like, well, they only came once this month. Next thing you know, not there anymore. They drifted away. And remember, God didn't move. They moved. So we got to be careful that we don't drift away because we do deceive ourselves. You know, the Bible talks about we can deceive ourselves. We think we're doing right. Remember that verse we read? It says, if perchance you don't agree on everything, God will tell you how it's supposed to be. It's not because it's not your way, it's God's way. 
Bible commentator, Matthew Henry, who I love, says concerning what we have heard, concerning the truths of God, we must embrace them in our hearts and affections, retain them in our memories, and finally regulate our words and actions according to them. Let me read that again. We must embrace them in our hearts and our affections, retain them in our memories, and finally regulate our words and actions according to them. So as the second most important thing, we need to be regulating ourselves in respect to God's way, not our way. Now, we're all pretty much headstrong, and we think we got it together. But God's the only one that's got it together, you know. Sometimes we might be on the same page as him. A lot of times we're not. So let's review the most important things. The most important thing of what we should do with Christ. We should know that Christ is the Holy One of God. We should know that we must be born again. It's not a choice of, yeah, I can be or I can't be. Because it's going to affect what happens in the future. We need to believe in the Lord Jesus And then we can be saved. And how do we do that? We need to repent. We need to say the same thing about our life that God said about it. All our righteousness is like filthy rags. Unless you repent, you're going to perish. Remember? Born once, die twice. Born twice, die once. Those with eternal life will never perish, and no one can take us out of God's hands. No one. The second most important thing, after we follow Christ as Lord and Savior, how then shall we live because of Christ? The first thing we need to do is reject the things in the way of the world. You need to reject the things in the way of the world. I don't know if you know this. The world's crazy. Do they know this? No, you don't know. But the world's crazy. Pastor Rich thinks I am because of the things I send him. I'm just trying to give him a sense of humor. But you know what? The world is crazy. And we need to reject the way of the world all this talk about abortion. It's like craziness. The, the, the way that people think and how they justify. You know the governor of California, Rich's home state? He's putting billboards up in red states that have laws. I don't know if anybody knows about this. He quotes the Bible. Love your neighbor as yourself. Come to California for an abortion. Can you believe that? Think about that. He's using the Bible as in Jesus is saying, abortion's good. But the world's crazy. The way they look at things is just, you know, it's like you talk to somebody and you say, what's wrong here? How come they can't understand what I'm saying? Their eyes are blind. 
devil is blind at their eyes. They can't see. So don't be surprised when they don't understand what you're talking about. They can't comprehend it. Well, the second thing you need to do is get to know Christ and his power. You know, Sometimes we get to know Christ, but we forget about his power. He's got power. He's running this whole thing here. Now Satan's running around, and he is the prince of the power of the air, and he's doing some stuff. But you know what? Look what happened when, when he went to see God about Job. He had to get permission from God to do that to Job. He didn't just get to do that to Job. And he's, he goes to heaven all the time and makes accusations. You know, be proud if he's making an accusation against you. That must mean he thinks you're a worthy opponent. If he's not mentioning your name, you better change your way of life because he wants to knock out every good witness. Why do you think so many Christian leaders go down? Because Satan's working against them. You need to become righteous. You need to press on toward the goal because you're not there yet. You might be the best Christian in Calvary Chapel, Green Meadow. You might be. I don't know. I'll ask Pastor Rich which one of you is it. But you might be, but you're not there yet. Paul wasn't there yet. So you're not there yet. Follow godly examples and be one yourself. I like that example of you always should have a hand up and a hand back. You need to be bringing somebody else up to your level, knowing that you need to be on their level. And ultimately, Christ is at the top of this ladder. Know God's will and follow it. You know, sometimes we know things that we don't do. I think you might find that hard to believe. You know, it's like sometimes maybe you're following the directions from your phone or in your Garmin, if you're old school, or a map. And then you think you got a better idea. You're going to take this road. It's a shortcut. <laughs> you know, when you know God's will, we need to follow it. Give thanks to the Father. He rescued us from the dominion of darkness. I don't think we really understand what we got rescued from. You know, I've talked to people that think it's going to be okay going to hell. They're going to have a rude awakening. They're going to have a very rude awakening. Be satisfied or sanctified so that you will be useful to the master for every good work. He can't use you if you're not ready. It's a lot of people, they want to get used when they're not ready. It doesn't work out very good. You need to be on the path. You need to be walking as Christ walked. Which leads us to the next one. Be careful how you walk, not as, not as the unwise, but as wise. Then keeping, keeping living by the standard to which we have attained. Don't fall back. This is a good thing about accountability. 
I've been listening. I go, you know, when you're on the computer and you're doing stuff, and you're like, all of a sudden you get taken to other places. So I found this a new website that I've been kind of following a little, a little bit, and they really, really talk about accountability. And so, if you don't have somebody keeping you accountable, you say, "Well, God's keeping me accountable." Well, you got to be careful. He's a tough taskmaster, and when he drops it on you, it's not going to be like your friends. You know, you need to have somebody, if you're married, your spouse, to keep you accountable. You know, I used to say to my wife after every time I spoke, how did I do? I wanted her. It's like now it's like, okay, it's just me here. I don't have that person to ask anymore. But you need to have somebody to keep you accountable. Pay close attention so that you don't drift away. Because remember, you're just going to drift away. I'll tell you a funny story. My brother and I went to Florida, and we were hanging out with a guy that used to live right near us. We went down to Key West, and we rented those big, long, floaty things. Has anybody ever been down there? you just kind of like, next thing you know, you're looking like, are we, going, are we closer to Cuba or Key West? We're like, and then these things, they don't hold air very good, and you're like patting like crazy trying to get back, and it's like, but we didn't, we, weren't, we didn't put ourselves out there. We had no motors. We didn't have no paddles. We were just laying on these things, and we drifted away. So you don't want to drift away. And how do you not drift away? Receive the word, examine the word, and live the word. Because we want to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Not in a manner worthy of Pastor Chapman. Not in a manner worthy of yourself or your friends. You know, your unsaved friends think you're crazy. They think you're already there, and you know you're not, but compared to them, you're a lot closer than they are. Jordan Peterson, psychologist, speaker, author, has a quote I will end with, and this is in regard to our quest, our quest to be holy. If you can't think of anything better to do why would you do anything else? If you can't think of anything better to do than being holy, why would you do anything else? Why would that not be your goal? And you can say, well, I, I, did, I can think of something that's better. Well, what is it? You know, then you got to like, no, wait a minute, that's not better. And you start comparing everything to be found holy in God's eyes. You can't find anything. I'm telling you, you can't. Like First Peter said, quoting the Leviticus verse, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Be ye holy, for I am holy. So those are the two most important things in our lives. Choosing to follow Christ, choosing to be like Christ. There's nothing more important than that. It's the only decisions you're going to make here with eternal consequences. You know, since my wife has passed, people have said things to me that I kind of don't agree with. But they're like, you know, it's like, well, you know, she's up in heaven and someday you'll be back together with her. I don't want to pop your bubble. No, I won't. She'll be there and I'll be there. But she's not my wife anymore. And that was important to me for 38 years. 
But you know what? When we think in those terms, I can't wait to see my mother and father again, or this good friend, or this, you know, we're, you know, I don't want to put down your families or mine, but you know what? It's all rubbish. When Jesus Christ is there and God is there, we're going to be in awe. It's like you're not going to have time to think, I never really liked that Rich Chapman anyways. You know? Not sure about that Calvary Chapel thing. You know, it's like that's not even going to be on your mind. What's going to be on your mind is like, whoa. This is when you're finally going to realize, I got saved from the dominion of darkness, and this is where I ended up. Like, like, you know what Dan would say if he was here? That's insanely great. That's, he uses that all the time. I love that line. That is insanely great. And we can't even fathom what heaven's going to be like. It is so beyond the realm of our thinking. When we think about our best day ever, and sorry, I stole that from SpongeBob. But anyways, best day ever is like we can't even come up with the best day ever. You know, Aaron Judge, I'm a Yankee fan. He's like sitting right there. He just tied Babe Ruth. And if he gets one more home run, he's going to tie Roger Maris. And if he gets one more, he'll have the American League home run record. Well, that's going to be a great day for him. And some people might say, that's the best day ever. man. But you know what? That is nothing compared to the glorious welcome we're going to get in heaven and the fact that we're going to be able to worship And remember, one of the best things about going to heaven is being able to take something with you. There's a joke about a bank that built right next to a cemetery and said you can't take it with you, but you can keep it nearby. (laughs) But you know what? People think they're going to, you know, I've heard about a guy that got buried in a gold Cadillac. You ain't going to be driving that. Think about all those Egyptians, those tombs, the canoes and everything that they took with them and all all the servants they killed to take with them. But you know what? All the stuff here on earth you can't take with you except for the things that you did for him, you can take those and give them back. The things that he blessed you with, you give it back. And we, it's like, you go, well, hey, look at all the crowns I got. No, you don't even care about the crowns. You're laying those babies down so fast. But there's going to be some people, and this is a real sad thing. I hate this verse. They're going to be saved as by fire. They're going to have nothing. You know, you hear about some of the house, their house burned down and they got out with just the clothes on their back. Well, there's going to be some people getting to heaven that are just going to be showing up. With nothing, absolutely nothing, because they have nothing to give back, because they're, they thought of something better to do than to being holy. They thought there was something better to do. So let me just read that quote to you again. If you can't think of anything better to do, why would you do anything else? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you that we have the opportunity, everyone in this room has the opportunity to press on, to guard ourselves against drifting away, and to get closer to you on a minute-by-minute basis, hour-by-hour, day-by-day, year-by-year, that we can be closer to you 
and know more about you and know more about your will than we ever knew before. I pray that you will help us to learn to walk as Jesus walked. In Jesus' name, amen.